0: Welcome to the Huntley Baptist Church Podcast. We hope that this message can be an encouragement to you today. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist@extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com I have a dream. This famous line from Martin Luther King Jr. was etched in time. Delivered on August 28, 1963 at the Lincoln Memorial Center in Washington. In that speech, we remember those words, I have a dream, it's just so etched in our memory. It changed a nation's perspective. And it gave hope to not just one generation, but a legacy of hope for generations to come. You know, God-inspired dreams are just one of the ways He uses to bring hope to us, His people, and to equip us to serve Him until His plans and purposes are finally accomplished. So praise God for dreams. We've been focusing uh, on what it means to be a new creation since Easter. In week one, we called it New Creation Possible. We said that to be a new creation we firstly need a revelation that we need a savior. We cannot save ourselves like Mr. Bean trying to take out his own teeth. We can't save ourselves from our own sin and selfishness. And when Christ reveals his great love to us, what's in our heart is also revealed. If we respond to him and repent, it becomes possible to receive a new heart and nature. And then in week two, new creation protected, we saw that we then need to guard this new heart. We need to guard it from offense, from being offended, and continue to surrender our new nature to the Lord daily. It's an everyday thing. We saw that we need to allow old things to pass away and be reconciled to God and others. To enable all things to become new. Second Corinthians five, seventeen. You know, being born again uh, may be a one-time decision, but being a new creation where all things are become or becoming new, uh, that's a process. It's a process of leaving the past behind, dying daily to yourself and the old nature, and of renewing our thoughts our attitudes, and our words as the Holy Spirit leads. Well, that's just a little bit of background. Today, we're on our third one in the series, and we're kind of taking a step back, and we're looking and asking, what's the bigger picture? What are God's plans and dreams for his creation? What are God's plans? So I've called this message, New Creation Promised. See what I did there? It starts with P. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, God promised certain things would happen at the end of the age in order to encourage us now. He gave the promise because we need it now. I don't believe He gave the promise of His return to make us like just give up on the original creation. In fact, His return should be the motivation to make things better for the, for the Lord for here and now. Jeremiah 29 verse 7 says, Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will have welfare. We've got to live and, and dream and change the society we're in now because of the hope that he is coming again. So how should we live our lives in the light of the promised new creation? Let's turn to Revelation 21, and we're going to read 1 to 7. So if you've got your Bibles, iPads, devices, Revelation 21. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he shall dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be among them. And he shall wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there shall be no longer any death there shall no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, "Right, for these words are faithful and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts from the This spring, or the spring of water, of life without cost. He who overcomes shall inherit these things. And I will be his God, and he will be my son. Here in this passage, John's focus shifts from the doom of the wicked to a vision of the blessings in store. As tough as it is to read the previous chapters of the plagues, the shaking, the smoke, the fire, uh, and of evil being defeated in the previous up till now, it's important to know what we've been saved from in order to appreciate the bliss that awaits those who overcome. This is the whole point of Revelation, to reveal Christ as the victor and the antidote for a broken creation. In one sense, from verse 1, we could almost get the feeling, "Ah, oh, what's the use of all our efforts here and now? There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth soon. But as we unpack this, this passage, we see it's not that simple. As William Barclay says, the mighty one will shake creation only to renew it. God will renew his creation. He will transform heaven and make it an eternal blessing and light, and he will transform the earth and make it a blessing. Verse 5 says, Behold, I am making all things new. Everyone say all. 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 And he says, right, for these things are faithful and true. In other words, God can't lie. And incidentally, this is the first time he speaks in first person in the whole of Revelation. I am making all things new. So what are the keys? What are the keys uh, to living, uh, you know, the way we're meant to live, knowing all this? Well, the first key, I believe, is discovering our purpose. You see, since creation, God has set eternity in the hearts of men and women. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11. There's just a deep knowing in every person, if we're we're honest, that there's a bigger plan that goes on after we're gone. You know, we know our current time on earth is relatively short and temporal, but that there is an eternity after this life. Just this week I spoke to someone who said, you know, that their father was now in a lot better place. This is just the sense. Don't know if he knew the Lord, but this person believes in eternity. You know, it's in our hearts. It's in our psyche. We know, you know, that, that this, this, this life is temporal. And the hope of one day all things being new is also there, isn't it? And that should inspire us to live with a purpose, not make us give up. It should make us go harder. Someone said to me after prayer meeting on Thursday night, I love this prayer group because there's an urgency about it. That urgency is that we want to see many more trust in this amazing God, eternal God, before it's too late. You know, we've got we to gotta tell people with words and with actions. Sadly, despite eternity being set in our DNA, many still choose to live very selfish lives, just surviving day to day, self-medicating to block out the reality that they have no purpose. The hope of new creation changes everything about the now that we live in. It's like a test. It's a God-given test, and it's a test we need to pass. Second key. For how should we live in the light of this promised new creation? The second key is discover our purpose. From this scripture, we get a sense that God's end game is to find a wife worthy for his son, Jesus. In verse 2, the bride of Christ, the church he's looking for is us, his people, made new. Verse 3 and verse 5. How could we possibly be worthy to be the bride of Christ? With all our spots and wrinkles and shortcomings, we could easily rule ourselves out of con- contestation. Contest, what con. whatever. Context. But he sees past that. He just sees past that and knows that we could never be worthy. And that's why he took our shame. He took our failures. He took our sin upon himself on the cross. He did all that for us to become worthy. And it's when we come to this revelation that we are made new. Have you had the revelation that it's not all about us? It's ultimately about what God wants to do. Or do you feel so unworthy that you've said in your heart, I'm too bad to ever be saved? I gave a verse to my daughter-in-law on the day that her dad was about to, to pass away. She said, oh, Murray, he just feels he's been too bad to ever get saved. I said, just give him the verse. You know, she had had many times in her own life of being desperately lonely. And she said the loneliness of not knowing God was almost unbearable. Is that you today? Is that you today? Do you feel unworthy? Just know he became unworthy sin for us. He took it all, took it all, the shame, the failures. He took it all to, to, to make us fit for him. Number three, we need to discover that this is just a foretaste of what's to come. Verse three, God himself will be among them. God Himself shall be among them. Aren't those wonderful, wonderful words? In a sense, this life is just a foretaste of what's to come. How awesome will it be to have God's presence permanently among us? Everything we know now is really just a foretaste or a prototype of what is to come. Does that excite you? I'm excited. All through the Old Testament and even to this day, Jews speak of Jerusalem as the holy city or the city of God because of the temple there. The tent of meeting or a temporary tent that God gave Moses to build called the tabernacle was a prototype of the temple, and the temple was a prototype of God's plan, in fact, that Christ would live in us. We are now his temple. This temple feels pretty beaten up right now. (laughs) i got straps under my arm and a big knee. But it's still the temple of God, nonetheless. The tent the point of the tent of meeting in the temple was the presence of God. That was the point. John says in verse 2 that he saw the holy city or New Jerusalem coming down as a bride adorned for her husband. You see, the holy city isn't the bride. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. And it's coming down as a bride, but it's the dwelling place or the tent to house the bride. As beautiful as it is, as a bride is beautiful, it's the presence of God that fills the city that makes it beautiful. You see, the tent of meeting would have been nothing without the cloud. The Hebrew word is the Shekinah, glory of God and God only showed up because of his love for the people so it's uh, it, so it is in the promised new creation it's not where we are that's most important it's who we're with and i haven't got my head around just quite where we'll end up and what gets restored all i care about is who i'm with and if I'm with Jesus forever, that will be everything right there. God's dwelling, God dwelling among us, that's enough. And just as a side note, one of the Greek words for dwelling, skino, is the same word used for tabernacle or tent. So the tent of meeting was a foretaste of him living with us and in the new creation. It's, it's better to be anywhere with someone, the saying goes, than somewhere with anyone. We need to know him intimately. And marriage is really a foretaste of the intimacy that we're going to have with the Lord. That's if your marriage is any good. <laughs> and finally, we need to discover this God who cares. Verse 6. Let's read it again. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of water of life without cost. Here's what's so magnificent about God. He speaks for the first time in Revelation uh, Revelation 5. And then in verse 6, he says, I am the beginning and the end. His glory and splendor transcends anything we could ever imagine. And in the next breath, he says, in effect, all of my greatness is at your disposal and it's free of charge. Isn't that an awesome God? The splendor of God is used to satisfy the thirst of the longing heart. And the gift he offers is nothing less than himself. We give him thirsty and he gives us himself. And you know, lately I've been thinking that that's really our our ministry in this place, in this little part, this little corner of New Zealand, Huntley West, is to be a, a well for people who are thirsty to come and have a drink. We've talked about being a light on the corner, a beacon of hope, a bridge to the community. But essentially, I just believe we're a well that springs up for the thirsty. Amen. Yeah. I've been thinking also about Lazarus lately, about the miracle of Lazarus being raised from the dead. You see, Lazarus had been dead four days when Jesus arrived. He knew he was going to raise him from the dead because he was, in fact, not in any rush. When he first heard that Lazarus was sick, stayed another couple of days. And yet when he saw the family's grief firsthand, up close and personal, when he got to within an arm's reach of the grieving sisters and family and friends, he wept. Isn't that awesome? Jesus wept. And then he raised him from the dead. He can identify with your struggles today because he's been there. If you're grieving today or need a miracle or maybe you're just thirsty for change, He cares more than you'll ever know. He cares enough to put our needs in the same sentence as I am the beginning and the end. Today is Mother's Day. And no one cares as much in this life for us as our mother. Mothers are awesome. I watched a mother yesterday stand watching her Her child have a horse riding lesson for nearly an hour. I thought, mums, mums are great. Mums are sacrificial. The lesson wasn't for her, but she waited. I thank God for a very wise mum, a very hardworking mum, a God-fearing mum. Again, mothers are a foretaste of the care of our heavenly Father. And just to wrap this up, the one who will restore all things has a dream. And his dream is for a fully restored church, adorned as a bride for his much-loved son. And he set eternity In our hearts to seek out a purpose in this life and a hope for the next when it all comes together, when it's the restoration of all things. He allows trouble to test us. And those who overcome, He will reward with blessings beyond words. And whatever we find ourselves, you know, and wherever we find ourselves in the promised new creation, it's about who. We are with. His kindness knows no limits. So we can trust that it will be good. The new creation is good. God is good. Whatever you're facing today, just talk to Him. Speak to Him. Spend time in His presence. Because the holy city, the tabernacle, the tent, The temple they're all about his presence coming and being there and our bodies are now that temple and he will walk with you and through those troubles and he'll he'll be to you as a foretaste of what's to come Amen Thanks for listening to the Huntley Baptist Church Podcast We hope that it has been an encouragement to you please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptistatextra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com.